In olden days, a glimpse of femur was only for morbid dreamers, but you're not alone. Bring anything wrong. Two goofy gals with deathly interest go on a skeleton in quest in your headphones. Anything bones. Hey, everybody, welcome to Anything Bones. I'm Caitlin Hart. And I'm Sophie Schwartz, and this is the show where we talk about bones and bone-adjacent topics. Yeah, we we talk about bones a lot just um, in passing with each other, so why not record it and uh, and share it with the world? A formal conversation about bones between two friends who like yeah. to uh, laugh and joke and goof. Uh, but also be formal. Yeah, but also be formal. For nothing if not formal. Oh. I think I wrote you a letter to uh, to start this podcast, right? You did, and it was delivered by a man on a horse, a skeleton man at that. Oh. Yeah, I just really, I wanted to make it special for us, so. Yeah, he did say that you had paid for him to sing it to me, but I unfortunately declined because his terrifying fleshless jaw making me uncomfortable. (laughs) Sorry about that. Anyway, welcome to our very first episode. Yeah, we're excited to be doing this. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so why not record a podcast with your best friend? The topics we'll be covering are all bone-related in nature. Yeah, we're we're bone girls. (laughs) We're bone women. (laughs) God, excuse me. You're just for bone women. This is going great so far. <laughs> All of my bones have fused together. I no longer have 270. Now I have 206. I'm a class oh. adult. Yeah. I like how you threw that in there. Little Thank fact. You. <laughs> Little <laughs> bone dust. Yeah. We can call it. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> All right. We got it. But I think the point of the podcast is just going to be sharing bone-related stories and facts with each other to to pass the time. To pass the time. And we're also both uh, comedians. So we like to, we're going to be able to put our own little spin on things and hopefully it'll be entertaining. Yeah. And... In all our jest, we always do it with respect. We respect yeah. human remains and the cultures that they come from. And none of this is to demean bones in any way, unless we're talking about a particularly bad episode of the television show Bones. Yes, the very successful Fox television show Bones, uh, which will also be covered because we're both uh, boneheads. <laughs> we're big boneheads. Big yeah. boneheads. <laughs> boneheaded women, I guess. Scratch that. No, I like it. (laughs) I'm here. My head is hard. I'm a fully grown woman and I'm interested in bones. Yeah. And I, I fully agree with what you're saying with uh, being respectful of bones and not, you know, using comedy as a way to make fun of people that have died or come before us because we have a lot of respect for for that. And also, uh, I just want to point out that we are not like experts in any way. Oh, no. <laughs> Neither of us went to school for 
anything really. I mean, I, I went to school for psychology, but like, that's, a, you know, that's, that's not science, science. Like, <laughs> we're, I mean, it is, but yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, we're not, we didn't study like archaeology or anything like that. Yeah, we're just, we're just two people who like to do research and like to talk to each other and are interested in this topic. So why not? So let's get down to it. Who should go first? We did not discuss this. And I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I don't mind going first if you want. Yeah. If we're going like alphabetically or something. Well, if we always go alphabetically, you always <laughs> go first. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're going to go back and forth. We'll figure out how this works. But just for episode one, I guess we could go alphabetical. <laughs> I like it. And then the next episode, we can go reverse alphabetical. Yes, please. So I am going to be, I am Caitlin, and I'm going to be talking about the Lindau man, a.k.a. Lindau 2. Not Lindau (laughs) 1. No, there is a Lindau 1, but I'm talking about Lindau 2 on this episode of our podcast, at least. And the Lindau man was an important archaeological find. Oop, can't mess that word up. And he was discovered on August 1st, 1984 at Lindau Moss, which is a peat bog in a county called Cheshire in Northwest England. Hmm. Okay. Did you ever get up around there? No, no, I've never been. I don't think I've ever been to Cheshire. Have you? No, but I did see some peat bogs when I was in Ireland and well, then I have a great story for you. Oh, uh, yeah. Bring on the peat. The next thing I wrote, what's a bog? <laughs> I mean, isn't that the question of life? <laughs> Did you know that another word for bog is quagmire, according to the internet? Huh. We've been saying that word before because it's a funny word, but it's also a bog, I guess. And a bog is a type of wetland where peat accumulates. and I had more questions when I read this because I was like, what is Pete? Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what Pete is. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Who is Pete? Yeah. Who is Pete? Where did he come from? Why does he have so many bogs? <laughs> I'm sorry, Pete. You have far too many bogs. I'm, I've got to have more questions, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Pete is, quote, an accumulation, this is just from like dictionary.com, like I googled like what is peat, quote, <laughs> an accumulation of partially decayed vegetation or organic matter, and often this organic matter is moss. So bogs are very unique in their ability to preserve human bodies and probably other stuff, but uh, because it's an anaerobic environment, no oxygen, these bodies basically basically are tanned by all of the like ingredients in a bog oh yeah so cool it's it's fascinating it's cool but it's a little bit it's it is horrifying like so the lindau man was discovered uh, again in 1984 by commercial peat cutters and just just for a second, I want to like go back to that day, and I would love to see the the discovery of that. Like, I would <laughs> you're just you're just doing your job. Like, Pete's used for fuel, and it's used in agriculture, and it's used in some spa treatments. Uh, so you're just like getting Pete for those purposes, 
And then you find a partial human skeleton. Like, what, what are, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I think you're digging in the Pete and you go, oh, there he is. We found Pete. I mean, do you ask for a raise at that point? Are you like, look, this is crazy. I need more money. Or do you just say like, oh, I, wow, what a thing that happened to me. <laughs> I mean, maybe... Maybe it's more common than we think. Maybe they were just kind of hoeing around in the peat and they were like, oh, George, George, we need we need the special wheelbarrow. We we got another one. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. <laughs> Make sure to shake all that good peat off of them. Jesus. Okay. So that's all kind of the bog stuff and me thinking about what it would be like to find a body in a bog, which I don't know if I'd ever be ready for. No. (laughs) Back to the Lindau man. Radiocarbon dating put his, uh, his death between 2 BC and 119 AD. Two? That's two. Just one number. Two. Oh, when were you born? Two. Two. So obviously, this is a very, very old skeleton. So only the upper portion of the Lindau man's body was found. And they later found part of a leg of about 15 meters, which, you know, is a little distance from (laughs) away. I don't know exactly because meters are a mystery. (laughs) There's no way to know how many meters would say be in a yard or a foot. There is a way, but I didn't look it up. (laughs) I should also point out that a lot of this information uh, came from two places, Wikipedia, which is number one in my book, and uh, the website for the British Museum. Oh. Um, so meters, obviously, that was from the British Museum because they like it. They like meters there. So they found this leg a little ways away from where the Lindau man's upper portion was found. So they think, you know, it's it's possible that it's his leg. No one knows for sure. <laughs> it's somebody else's. I, I mean, there. it turns out there are a lot of bodies in bogs, but I don't want to, like, spoil everything. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> shit, I just did. Shut okay. up about the bodies in the bog. So the Lindau man was about 25 when he died. Like, a little, he's a little bit younger than us. It just, it's very sad. Quote from the British Museum website, he was well-groomed with trimmed beard and filed fingernails. Filed fingernails. Yeah, like he was, he was, take, he, somebody took, he took care of himself or somebody took care of him before he died. Again, a quote from the British Museum. His hair and skin was well-preserved. Remains of a fur armband was around left arm and a garrote of animal sinew around the neck. What? Yeah, so <laughs> as, I mean... A garrot. I was like, "Is are the British using garrot in a way that is unfamiliar to me?" Like, what? <laughs> I was like, "What's a like?" I had to Google what's a garrot, even though I I know it's used for strangling people, and that's the only you know we have the same definition in America and Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Gravot. Oh no, we meant to write cravat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a nice necktie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So let's get to, like, let's get to some more kind of juicy stuff. Um, 
So there's some debate over how the Lindau man died. Um, and that's because he died. He definitely died a very violent death. And some people think it was actually ritualistic. Um, so he had a last, the last thing he ate was burnt bread. Like they somehow know that the bread was burnt. And there was also mistletoe pollen in his stomach. And I did, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, it can't be good though. <laughs> like, Mistletoe um, is a is a plant and it's a poison. right right I mean yeah I know it's a plant but like I don't know if that's like a poison or I who knows uh, I could have looked it up <laughs> I didn't so ha- here's how he died or here are the some of the injuries that were inflicted he was strangled hit on the head and his throat was cut now given sort of the time period that he was found in which was around the time of the Roman conquest of Britain during the Iron Age. Um, A little bit before that, the Romans had outlawed human sacrifice, but we don't know his exact date of death. So we don't know if this was like, was before that or, or, you know, cause um, yeah, like he definitely was, he didn't need to be killed so many different ways, you know, like one of those things would have probably done like been enough. So all this overkill is very confusing. They really hated him. They were like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So some people think uh, it could be human sacrifice. He could also have been the victim of like a robbery or a crime, you know, like some, some kind of crime, or he could have been a criminal and he, this was like his punishment or, you know, did something, who knows? Um, It's again, it's unknowable, (laughs) but it's led to a lot of speculation because it was a pretty important discovery. And according to Wikipedia, Lindo Man is the first discover. this is a quote, the first discovery in Britain of a well-preserved bog body. So this, he was, there was a Lindau one, but I don't think it was as much of a, of a human as the Lindau Man, uh, mm-hmm. which was a full upper torso. And, you know, his skin was intact. Like there was like an armband and this garrote around his neck, which I read somewhere that it could have been like ornamental or it could have been like the thing that um another thing that they used to try to kill him but so because this of this find the story was super huge it was the 80s um and it created this the story went viral as it were (laughs) um and created um this a lot of interest in looking for more bog bodies which they did find there are just a lot of bodies in bogs it turns out um and not just bogs like in britain just like bogs uh because of their the way that they're able to preserve bodies they are um yeah there are there are people down there um who didn't get a proper burial the last sort of thing, uh, you know, if if we weren't in a pandemic and we could just jet over to London, we could go see the Lindau Man at the British Museum, um, which is why I got so much information from their website is because he is he was freeze dried, which is also horrifying. <laughs> but they freeze dried him. They did. Yeah, because they needed they wanted to preserve him. And I guess like there was some when he was taken out of the peat, it was like, oh, he's not gonna, you know, he's gonna disintegrate like without the peat. So they had to figure out a way to preserve him. 
And so they, it's more complicated than just freeze drying him, like obviously. Yeah. But, uh, that's the gist of it. And so I did go to the British Museum and I don't remember seeing him there, but um, he, is, he is apparently there. And there I was, I can't remember where this was exactly, but I think it brought up a question for me of like, when, when we display a human in a museum, like, are we giving reverence to that person or are we kind of, you know, are we like exploiting this person's death? Like he was, Lindau Mann was, was alive a long, long ass time ago, but he's still a person. So I don't have like a hard opinion either way. I just was like, oh, that's something to think about. <laughs> yeah, that's the real interesting debate is like after a museum or like a research site has extracted as much info as they can from what is essentially a corpse. Mm-hmm should they rebury it or should it remain on display? And like, this is a topic for another. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to like open up a camera. No, 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 no. no. I love talking about this and about repatriation and about like the, what are the rights of a, of ancient remains? Mm -hmm. Because that's a really interesting question. And, you know, you come up against it with a lot of like medical specimens as well. Like in earlier times of museum, museum practices and colonialism. There was a lot of, you know, taking right. stuff right. that shouldn't be there and without the consent of the the remains or the culture of the remains. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, so you're, you're wondering about that is exactly spot on. Like, Great. Oh, wow. <laughs> like we should do, we'll do many episodes that do. Yeah, yeah, that's just, yeah, I think that we've just begun to scrape the surface of that especially given the topic that we're going to discuss like we're going to be discussing people that their remains have not been treated the way like I would want my remains to be treated that's my story of the Lindau man and his uh his sad violent horrible death and you know his discovery yeah well I mean one really cool part to look on the bright side is that you know, even though he died a violent death, he kind of has a second life as this really important tool in understanding humanity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like furthering the research into other bodies that have now been discovered in bogs. I'd like to go to a bog sometime soon, you know, when, when things settle down and I feel safe to get on a plane. <laughs> as soon as bogs are accessible by us. Take a big bog road trip (laughs) bog party who's coming let's find a leg (laughs) (laughs) anyway i want to hear what uh what you did research on Ooh, well i would like to open up my topic by asking you a question okay off the cuff okay off the cuff no wrong answers, kind of. Um, but uh, how do they bury people in Venice, Italy? Oh, God. I mean, oh, I would assume, well, so a cemetery, but uh, there's water everywhere. Sea burial? Buried at sea? You were closest kind of at the top of your guessing. We're going to talk about Isola de San Michele. The Island Cemetery of Venice. 
Oh my God. Okay. 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 So I'm going to rattle off my sources at the top because I have a lot of them. Um, in the future, I'd love to be more diligent about pairing exact chunks of information with the with the good sources, but I have all the sources here at the top, so I'm just going to rattle them off. We got the Venice Insider, Wikipedia, our best friend, um, Cult of the Weird, which special shout out to that article because I got a lot of great info from that one. Um, Seductive Venice, um, Consocrezia.it. There's going to be a lot of Italian words that I don't know how to. Sorry, say. Seductive Venice. Yeah, Seductive Venice. It's like uh, it's kind of a travel website slash like a kind of a blog about Venice. Okay, cool. Uh, Venice is sexy. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been there? No, <laughs> but I would really like to go. It's really cool. Yeah. Have you? In high school, yeah, I, I did go. Oh, very jealous. <laughs> but you did not go to the cemetery. No, no, definitely not. I was there for like two or three days. I'm just going to finish this really quick. Please, God. Uh, Veneto, Inside, New York Times, Venice Blog, and an article off The Guardian. So those are all of my sources. And when we put them up, maybe we'll put them all in the show notes. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So first off, just a little bit of how I came across this topic. I was researching another topic and then I saw the words Island Cemetery and I was like, yes, I'm there. Please take me. A little bit about um, Venice just as some background information. Yeah. So the city of Venice uh, has uh, 26 miles of weaving canals and waterways, and it's situated among 118 islands in a shallow lagoon in northern Italy. I do want to share some of Venice's great uh, nicknames with you. Okay. So La Dominante, La, Serene, La Serenisma, Queen of the Adriatic, City of Water, City of Masks, City of Bridges, The Floating City, and City of Canals. Whoa. <laughs> and there are over... So many types of cities that Venice is. <laughs> People love Venice. People go crazy over Venice, and I don't oh, believe them. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. But so... The founding of Venice is kind of wrapped up in a lot of kind of myth and uh, there's no kind of like concrete historical record of how people started kind of uh, congregating in the, in the Venice area, but historians kind of agree that it was mostly refugees from the fallen Roman Empire at the time and uh, sort of barbarian and Germanic and Hun raids that were going on in the adjoining areas. So they retreated to this lagoon where they started setting up temporary settlements on these islands. Hmm. Hmm. And then in the 5th century, they kind of started using what they would do to kind of build up on these islands that were very kind of unstable is that they would drive wooden stakes into the ground and then build a wooden platform over over that and then do like stone and soil and kind of wood and kind of build up the the land. Mm -hmm. um, so you can probably tell that's not great for burying people. I, I couldn't imagine how you could make that work. <laughs> well, the kind of tricky thing about it is that 
Catholicism has been a big influence there for a very long time, and they're not huge fans of cremation. So people in that area tend to favor burial. So they were kind of in a bit of a pinch uh, because of the land. And so they would bury people in these little um, uh, (laughs) Campilio Novo de Morte, which were great. Thank you. Thank you. Which were these like fields of death, which were like these little burial sites throughout the city that were sometimes like under paving stones and in like kind of corners of streets. So kind of burying people a little bit everywhere that they could. Um, Yeah, that's that sounds like it would be hard to yeah. keep up with and also yeah that that sounds awful and during the plague times there were a lot of these little sites around the city where they would have to do mass graves of bodies because they just didn't there was nowhere to kind of put them and sure. plopping them in the water is not a good idea no yeah don't do that no don't do that the thing i remember oh. about venice was that it just it just was so like hot, but all it because it was hot and because of all the water, it just like it just had that fish smell, like like fishy, like ocean, you know, water smell, and it was a little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, and can you imagine that plus like medieval kind of hygiene? Oh God, no! Like re- yeah, like I was sweating, and I yeah, and it, this is pretty current, so like. Yeah. So, yeah, ouch indeed. Well, they kind of got a solution to their problem, actually, in 1804 when Napoleon invaded. And he was like, Napoleon? Yeah, right. He was like, no, we can't do this. This is not hygienic. What are you doing? Get those bodies out of here. We're putting them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so they designated this island, uh, San Michel, as the cemetery island. And it was actually already a place of worship. There was a church there. Actually, in 1469, the first Renaissance church in Venice, church slash monastery, was constructed on the island. So they decided that that would be their funereal island. But kind of concurrent to that, there was actually a Jewish cemetery on a different island called Lido that was burying people since the 1300s, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And they're pretty close together. Kind of. They're all, I didn't exactly look at where a map is, but this, sure. but the, the cemetery Island that I'm talking about, it's pretty out of the way from Venice. Like you have to, you can take like a water taxi boat there, but it's not like close. So I want to talk a little bit about the cemetery itself. So when it first began, it was just the one island, uh, but then they needed a lot more space uh, because they were starting to take people from other burial sites and bring them over. So they actually filled in between 1835 and 1839, they actually filled in the space between San Michel and another island called San Cristoforo delle Passe. It just kept going. Cool. <laughs> it just kept going. So long these words are. The Italians, they're beautiful with their language, but they... But we can't speak Italian. <laughs> we can't speak Italian. I would like to. 
Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about this cemetery was that for a really long time in the 1800s and early 1900s, it was only kind of a temporary resting place because people needed to uh, pay these like maintenance fees for the upkeep of the the monastery and of the cemetery. So if you didn't pay those maintenance fees after 12 years, you were actually disinterred and sent to a different island. And oh, the naughty island. Oh, the naughty island was super interesting to me. And it was hard to find a lot of information about this naughty island called St. Adria- Adriano, maybe? I, yeah, I bet. But, it's fine. I mean, in English, it's known as the Island of Bones. So we'll just go ahead and call it that. Why don't we just go with that? Yeah. We'll just go ahead and call it that. So this island became an ossuario, a repository for bones that were occasionally removed from Venice's main cemetery on the island of San Michele and from various fields of the dead that we were talking about earlier. Right. What I thought was really interesting about this was that There were a lot of websites in Italian about it, but they were hard to translate. But there's a lot of rumors that if you're walking around on this island, which is like hard to get to and they won't really let you on it. I read a blog post about someone who tried to have a picnic there and was uh, quickly shooed away. (laughs) Oh my God. But they say if you're like... A picnic on the Island of Bones? On the Island of Bones. It's... (sighs) I get it. It sounds cool, but it's also like disrespectful. I don't know. Like have a picnic on the boat, like viewing the Island of Bones. Like why do you need to be on it? Well, I think because they want to confirm this rumor that when you're walking around, you can find bones in the underbrush and that there's bones, like piles of bones just hanging. Oh, okay. Sounds romantic. Yeah. I mean, great place for a date. Ugh. I mean, maybe if you're going on a date with one of us, but we'd probably yeah, I mean, yeah. turn on the boat. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to eat on top of the bones? No. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I want to tell you about some interesting people who are buried in this cemetery. Yes. Because it's uh, actually a fairly international cemetery. There's a lot of Russian people, French people, English people, Scottish people, and even a couple of Americans are buried there. Huh. Yeah. Some people of note, I'm going to do the longest name first, so don't jump in until I'm absolutely done with this name. Silent. You're silent. And this is, this is a story I got off of Venice Insider. Thank you so much. All right. This is Princess Ka- uh, Katerina Petron- Petrova Tro- Trobetovsky Nemuslin Puchinkin. I'm done. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And we'll call Head her... Head is a mouthful. Yeah. I, I hope she had a nickname. Well, we'll call her Princess Catherine for now. Perfect. <laughs> but she was the daughter of a lieutenant general uh, in the Russian army, and she was a mistress to the Russian Tsar Nicholas I. Um, she got pregnant with his baby, and he didn't really want the scandal, so he had her actually marry somebody else. This guy named Sergei... Trobenskatoy? I don't know. My Russian is terrible. No, that's um, And he was a cornet of the cavalry regiment, whatever that means. Yeah, and, you know, more power to him. 
I'm yeah. sorry. He, the czar was like, I don't want anyone to know that we doinked. So you have to marry, like, did the, I wonder if the czar like chose who she married or was just like, you have to get married right now. I, yeah, I don't know. I think he had to pull a switcheroo. He had nine months. Yeah, obviously there's a turnaround. Like you need to, oh, oh, I feel, that's so sad. Yeah. Well, she had a good rest of her life. She had her daughter. She moved to France and then she moved to Venice, had another daughter. And both of her daughters and her husband are buried with her at this cemetery. Okay. So, and okay. So let's imagine that she, was just with the czar, like just to be with the czar. And it was like all, let's say that she had the power and I feel good about it. All right. Yeah. Let's say she definitely chose all of the decisions in her life. That's what I want for her. That's what I hope happened. That's what I hope happened. But naively. This next one is pretty fun. We got Igor Stravinsky, the famous composer. Yeah. Um, Whose music you would probably recognize. He's composed a lot of ballets. He's composed music for films. One thing that connects him to the other person we just talked about is that he's buried next to his wife, who used to be his mistress. Oh. There's a lot of mistresses in here. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, his first wife was his cousin and died of tuberculosis. Oh, God. (laughs) There you go. This, yeah, rough, just there's so many rough rough discussions I'm gonna have to stop like reacting to every single one thing that's like (laughs) having a discussion about every bad thing that we tell each other we're never gonna get through this podcast because a lot of it's bad I mean not bad maybe a little grim grim yeah that's a better word yeah let's go with grim grim I mean the last one's really fun okay this one's Christian Doppler Hi, Christian. Do you, do you know why Christian is important? No. Because <laughs> he's the inventor of the Doppler effect. Can you say more? <laughs> okay, so he was an Austrian mathematician and physicist. He is celebrated for his principle known as the Doppler effect, that the observed frequency of a wave depends on the relative speed of the source and the observer. You know, the train thing. Where it's okay. like, ooh, you know, like... <laughs> The train thing. I'll take your word for it. The train thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I did my my thorough research, and Caitlin, I have to tell you. Okay. This man did not have a mistress. Wow. I know. I thought I was... like he might be one of the few. Yeah. I mean, well, I was all excited. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, like all these people are mistress adjacent. (laughs) That's my through thread. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what's my through thread here? What's my through thread? Through line, through thread, whatever. I have a lot of other fun facts about the cemetery, but kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about was when I was researching all of this, and we talked a little bit about this at the top of the topic, that what about like cremating people? Like why didn't they just cremate people? Mm-hmm. And we already talked about Catholicism kind of being one of the main factors in that. But I found an article from The Guardian in 2010 that said that they are now allowing in certain areas for people's ashes to be scattered in the lagoon. It seems like that should be allowed. Yeah, but I did find this really wild quote that I want to read you from it. 
This right. is from The Guardian? This is from The Guardian, yeah. And this is talking about the new regulation that they put in place. It says, the council regulation also permits locals to keep ashes at home on the mantelpiece for the first time. Bedin said the rules were based on a new national law. We are the first big city to put them into effect, he said. Understandably, we have a real problem with space for the deceased here. For yeah. the first time, people are allowed to put ashes on their mantelpiece. What? That in 2010? 2010. 10 years ago. Well, you gotta believe people are doing it. We're doing it before then, right? Like, because... I, yeah. I mean, the the cemetery that I was telling you about, this island cemetery, is, is pretty big. It has like 80,000 plots or something like that. Like, it's pretty big. And like, they yeah. move people in and out of it. But like you would think that there would still be a large amount of people who would keep cremated remains at home, right? Seems like a thing that you do. That's something that people have done in my family where um, like a spouse dies before their, well, I'll just, my aunt, uh, her husband died and she wants to keep his ashes until she dies so they can be scattered together. I think that's really beautiful. Respect people's wishes for what they want to do after they die. I mean, yeah. I think that's going to be a big theme in our in our podcast is, is respect, respect, respect the bones. Please respect the bones. If you take nothing else away from this, that's pretty much everything that I've got. Oh, one last thing though, I did want to tell you about the funeral gondolas. Oh yes, I do want to hear about the funeral gondolas. Yeah. The funeral gondolas were amazing, like how they would transport people's bodies to the to the island. I actually have, I'll read you this quote. We'll end with this. Okay, uh, okay. My section. And this is a quote originally from an 1879 issue of American Magazine, but I got it from an article by Charlie Hines uh, called Death and Burial in Venice, What Does the Floating City Do with Its Dead? And I highly recommend that article if you want more info on this because it's very, it's fascinating. It has pictures. Here's the quote for you. In Venice, the city of the sea, the poetry of burial is more fully brought out than in any other part of Italy. Indeed, many of the usages and customs in this city are beautiful in the extreme and, in the case of burial of the dead, often picturesque and touching beyond description. In the case of a young maiden who had early closed her eyes on the loves and sorrows of this world, the ceremony of conveying her to the grave was marked by the poetry and grace so inseparable from all the customs of the sunny land of Italy. The dead girl was conveyed in a gondola through the canals to her last resting place, in some small island necropolis close to the city. In this funeral vessel, the body, sometimes elegantly attired and covered with flowers, reclined on a raised couch beside which her nearest relatives knelt, while a priest sat at the foot of the bayer, chanting the service for the dead, in which the bearer of a sacred standard with a cross joined. The solemnity and impressiveness of the mournful cortege could scarcely be surpassed. Like, wow, you- that guy is a really good writer. That's just like, you really, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, I was just thinking of standing like at the end of some street there in Venice, watching this beautiful, like lit with candles, covered in flowers, just kind of perfect little procession of death kind of just ride on by. And yeah. then it's gone. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. That, yeah. So that's kind of reading that was one of the first things I read when researching this topic. And I thought I have to tell Caitlin about this. Yeah. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you, I'm glad you read that to me and I'm glad to hear the whole thing. And I'm glad to be doing this podcast with you. Yeah, me too. I'm glad we finally decided to sit down and actually do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're cool. (laughs) Yep, we're super cool. (laughs) I like as if that would be like the way that we end the podcast. Yeah, we're cool. Click, click. Click, yeah. Well, maybe we'll edit that out. Um, (laughs) Leave it. (laughs) All right. People will realize we're not, you know, we're we're, We're not kind of. We're not. <laughs> I'm not a poser, okay? I just Pony. like to talk to my friend Sophie and I like to learn about new things. I like to respectfully. Respect my bones. Well, all right, to all you out there, thanks for listening. Yeah. And you gotta love these bones. And respect them. And respect, respect these bones. All right, we love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Anything Bones. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Anything Bones Podcast or email us at anythingbonespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Nick Kruger for our spooky music and Stephen Vetteroff at Chubby Scrubby on Twitter for our jazzy vocals. And thank you to Camilla Franklin at Camilla Strader on Instagram for our beautiful bony artwork. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Bones!